Welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And we oh, are... No. <laughs> yeah, no. We're, we're missing Val today. Um, <laughs> this is probably going to happen more often that one of us is going to be out through the summer because life is slowly returning back to normal and that means people are traveling more, which is all very exciting. Yay! And so Val's not here with us. But uh, she's having a great time. I would like to say she's not here with us, but I'm sure she's thinking of us this morning, but I doubt it because she's having too much fun, which is fine. That's what she should be doing. So, you know what? We need to just have as just as much fun then. We, we will definitely try. And we've got a museum of film to talk about to have a good time. <laughs> so we really do. It'll be, it'll be an interesting conversation. Um, we've been, it feels like it's been forever since we've actually sat down and recorded an, an episode. Cause it's been a couple of weeks since we did the live episode as part of remote con, mm-hmm. uh, which we were glad to be part of uh, as part of the stolen droids network. Um, but then, you know, it's just been a while since we sat down and recorded. So it's good to be back like recording and doing a regular show. So we'll see how this I was goes. thinking that too. And, and uh, in a couple of weeks when battles back, we're planning on an in-person recording. Yeah, it is time. We are all at the point with our vaccinations where we feel comfortable getting together and yep. there are venues that we can go to. And so, um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We're still going to try to do video, so we'll keep the YouTube series going as well as the podcast audio stuff going. And it'll be a lot of fun. I'm it'll excited. Be, it'll just be so much fun to just be <laughs> in the same room together and doing this. <laughs> yep. I I've missed it. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to be out of practice. Like I'm going to show up right. in like my pajama pants and like dressed up from here and like realize that I have to no, be out in public. No judgment here, bud. Yeah. No it's judgment hard. here at all. I, I, I go back to the office here in a week or so and same thing. I'm like, Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I, we are looking at starting to go back. Yeah. In a couple weeks, mm-hmm. middle of June. Um, and then, through July and August, we'll be bringing everybody back into the office. And I just thought I've got to go dust off my suits and like oh. my ties and make sure that oh, I'm- that's right. You got to wear suits. Yeah. I wear a suit and shirt I and tie forgot about that. The the ties and the shirts. Fortunately, whenever I've had a meeting, I've had to wear a shirt and tie. So those like, I know where those are, but like the pants I haven't had to wear. So I've been sure. wearing shorts or whatever. Anyway, it'll be a, it'll be an adjustment. Oh, to have man. to go back. Yeah. You've got it worse than I do. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the good news is we are only going back. Um, so I'll be back in the office three days out of the week and two days I'll be at home. So it'll be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same deal here, which I love. I think that's great. I think that's been one of the silver linings with all of this is a lot of places where normally it would have never been that kind of telecommute situation. This kind of forced us mm-hmm. to have to work remotely and see, oh, we can make this work. So It'll be exciting. The flexibility is nice. Yeah. Yeah. But now we have talked the last time it was just the two of us. We talked about a very silly movie in Spaceballs. Yeah. And, and I feel like. Oh, I, I think this one might, might be right up there in terms of the silly level. It might even beat it. Yeah, I, it, You know, it's like 
you you suggested this movie, and I and I know why you suggested it. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I almost feel like it was like, okay, Spaceballs was silly, huh? Okay, hold my beer. Let me show you silly here as we we're talking about the movie Clifford, which I think came out in 1994. 94. Um, if you if you have HBO Max, you can watch it on HBO Max right now. It's part of the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival. So you've got to it was weird when I watched it, the guy comes up at the beginning and he like introduces it and starts talking about I'm like this is talking way too seriously about a not serious film. Like it was just really funny because it's something that you would see at the beginning of a really classic movie. Like if they were, oh, this is you know, seeing it in the rain, and this was monumental because of this and this and this, and it was like the same kind of thing. Well, this is Clifford, and you really got to see Martin Short talking as a comedian, comedic actor, and all this other stuff. I'm like, wow. This guy has thought long and hard about this movie way longer than anyone should. He, he thought about it way longer than the filmmakers thought of this movie. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> and, and he talked about in there that like they started making the movie and then there were some troubles with the production. So it actually came out quite a bit later after it was mm-hmm. made. Um, yeah, but they, uh, they, they got, uh, they had some production issues and then Orion pictures, which was going to release it, had some financial issues so this movie was actually shot in 1990 and was completed in 1991, but didn't hit theaters until 1994, and it bombed. Um, yeah. But it's but it's gained a kind of a cult following over the years. So we should describe the plot because a lot of times we talk about movies that people are probably familiar with or have heard of. I'm not sure many people have watched or heard of Clifford. I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, <laughs> he he. He talked about how uh, it's got this like big cult following now. I'm like, does it though? Is there a really big? I, I, maybe there is, and it's just surprisingly on my so. Radar. It uh, when when I worked at the video store, um, it it got some pretty good traction, and I would actually recommend it to people. I'm like, if you want something super silly, then then this is if you want a fun Friday night that you can just shut off your brain and enjoy, then this is kind of the movie for you. Yeah. Okay, so the plot is basically as, Martin as Short, it is. <laughs> Martin Short is playing Clifford, a ten-year-old boy. This is not super old. Martin Short was not ten years old; he was forty when they shot the film. So he's a forty-year-old playing a ten-year-old boy. Now there are a few actors who can pull this off, and I do believe Martin Short is one of them. And we'll talk about his character and his performance in this. Uh, and he is obsessed with wanting to go to this place called Dinosaur World in Los Angeles. Uh, so he finds a way to get the airplane to land in Los Angeles that his parents and he are on as they're flying to Hawaii. Gets stuck with his Uncle Mort- Martin, played by Charles Gordon Groden. And that's the reason we're talking about this, because he recently passed. And this is yeah. one that, that he has a pretty prominent role in. And he actually does a pretty good job in it. I, as much as I'm going to call this movie silly, I will talk about some of the positives. And I think that Charles Grodin is one of the positives. And I think Martin Short is one of the positives. Absolutely. And his uncle Martin is trying to show he likes kids to his fiance. And then Clifford is like the worst kid ever who wants to just go to dinosaur world. And when that promise gets broken, then all hell breaks loose. for <laughs> uncle Martin. That's basically the plot. And in the yeah. end, Oh wait, we got a storybook though. We got a, we got a, we got a. Um, at the very beginning, Clifford is an adult in the year twenty fifty, and right. he is a priest. 
He is a priest that visits the wayward school of boys. And he meets um, a young kid who ends up being played by Ben Savage, who you might remember, uh, Boy Meets World. There's a fair amount of famous people in this movie. There, there are. Um, well, funny about him, Ben Savage being in this, at the minute he jumps out of the window and they show him, like, oh, it's Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World. Well, what's weird is this came out in 94, which is the year after Boy Meets, Meets World came out. But because it was shot in 1990, mm -hmm. he looks quite a bit younger than he does in the first season of Boy Meets World. And so it was probably pretty weird <laughs> to see that uh, at the time. I totally, yes. <laughs> Wait a second. But yes, it is it's Ben Savage, um, and yeah, he's a priest. I love, because it's in the, the future, it's in the year 2050. This is one of my favorite things that people do. So he's a priest, and to show that he's in the future, he's got like this red like edging on his priest uh, clothing, robes. Right. And I just think... They haven't changed like priest robes in like forever. Why by fifty are they adding red to the edge of everything? Is it just to show that this is in the future? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not I you know, I'm not Catholic myself. I don't I'm not super familiar with everything that priests wear, so maybe they do wear something like I just thought no, that's just how they're showing that this isn't the future. It's a futuristic priest robe. Would not surprise me. <laughs> but yeah, so if that was in the year 2050, he was 10, mm -hmm. when, and you know the movie kind of takes place maybe in the year 1990, so that's 60 <laughs> years later. So he'd be 70, which I think is about the age that Martin Short is right now. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, uh, he looks better than he did in this movie. I was going to say, that is some really, really, really bad old age makeup on Martin Short. It is, <laughs> to me... Okay, so we talked about this before. We talked about the, the audience of the film, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you mentioned right. it was probably for the Saturday Night Live crowd. And I think that that's part of this. When you look at his old person yeah. makeup, it is very much sketch comedy type yes. old person makeup. Yes. Yeah, and I agree. I, I, I'm with you. It's not really a kid's movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I think it's, it's kind of the stoner SNL crowd. I think, I think they offered the script, and Martin Short probably thought it was really going to be fun to play a 10 year old boy. That's very mischievous and evil. And yeah. then he's friends with Charles Grodin and Charles Grodin was probably like, sure. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. It, it's hard to know why anyone after reading this script signed on for it, except like you said, Martin short, I think probably looked at it and said, well, this is, this is going to be fun. Be like fun? I'm going to have a good time doing this. And right. he did like his performance oh, out of, everybody you can tell he's having the most fun oh my gosh he is just this is this is actually one of my favorite martin short roles just because he is so engaged in this film and some of the physical comedy the stuff that he does with his face there's a there's mm -hmm. a great scene um about halfway through so uncle martin um played by charles groden and his girlfriend mary steenberger Steen, steenberger uh -huh. um she doesn't want to marry him because she th thinks that he doesn't want to have kids and he doesn't. Right. Uh, he buys a one person bachelor or a one bedroom bachelor pad on the side of a cliff. Um, you know, he's, he's very not kid friendly. Um, and, and Clifford through 
acting out poorly on the airplane while his parents are traveling to Honolulu for a convention, forces the plane into LA. And it just so happens that Uncle Martin had just had a conversation with his girlfriend about how he didn't like kids. And then when his brother calls and says, hey, I need you to take Clifford for a week so I can go do this convention, it all just works out. It's just this most convenient plot point. Yeah. (laughs) The, the the convenience of timing in this really pushes the boundaries of believability. Like it's just, a, and let's just talk about the trouble that he causes on the plane because that makes it sound like he's just misbehaving. He goes up in the cockpit and turns the engines off because the captain says, oh no, the only way this plane is going to land in Los Angeles is if it's an emergency landing. Okay. Turns you know, the engines I, off. I, I was thinking to myself last night, I'm like, well, that wouldn't be happening if we shot it today. <laughs> There's no way the kid is getting in the cockpit to mess with. Oh him. no, yeah, they're they're not going to let him up there. Um, I think it's funny because I love watching movies from the 80s, 90s, 70s where they're going to the airport mm-hmm. and then involve the airport because it is so different. It reminds me of the times like when my dad would travel for business or my mom would travel for business and we would go pick him up and you'd walk all the way to the gate yeah. where they were coming in and you'd wait at the gate and you'd watch the airplanes land and pull up to the gate. And it was a lot of fun. And And now, like that doesn't, Mm-mm. I mean, you can't. You have to have oh. a ticket to get past security. and you, you could walk into the lobby area, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and the idea of going up in the into the cockpit, like, they don't let anybody up there mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, I think, but I think it was more common that if a kid was there, you know, wanted to go up and see the captain, that they would make it happen. At least movies have told me that that was common. That, yes, yes. And I, that I may not be the case. I believe that's true, but who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. He, uh, I mean, and you get the sense of how right he is as he's like, okay, time for liftoff. And he's got the dinosaur on the food tray. He keeps flipping the trays and the lady in front of him gets all mad and yells at him and his dad. Like Richard Kind. I yes. think Richard Kind is in this movie is his dad. I love it when he shows up because he is another great comedic actor. He He has a lot of these you know, smaller parts, but whenever he's in a show, he really brings a lot of comedy and a lot of talent to the role. And he just does a great job. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. him whenever he pops up. Yeah. Um, Cause he just plays a great character every time. And he does a great job with this too. And the, the interaction between him and Martin short as Clifford, like <laughs> when he starts getting really angry and he's like, Oh, dad's going to have a stroke. And then he's going to start talking like this. and starts doing his stroke impression. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's- Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> that is one of the weirdest things about this movie, because honestly, if a 10 year old kid does that, you're like, okay, that's inappropriate, but kind of funny because it's a 10 year old kid. He doesn't understand why that's not okay to make fun of a stroke victim. Right. <laughs> I don't know where the line is for a 40 year old man playing a 10 year old child doing that as well as he does like, I don't know. Is that is that funny, cute, inappropriate? <laughs> it's all of the above, man. <laughs> yeah. And he does it perfectly. And mom's like drunk and like drugged on the plane. I think she's 
she's taking the sleepy pills mixed with the alcohol mm-hmm. and she is just out of it. She just doesn't want to deal with Clifford on a on a multi-hour plane ride. Yeah, neither of them do. I don't yeah. know why they thought taking him on that plane was a good idea. I don't care that dad's speaking in Hawaii or whatever. Like, There's no way if I had a kid like Clifford, I'd be like, well, we got to get him on the plane. I mean, we got to take him with us. No, he's staying Dude, home would, or something. You would give that kid Benadryl or something, you know? Yeah, something to knock him out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although knowing Clifford, I don't know if that would affect him. I, I don't. I it don't would know probably have the opposite effect. Bring yeah. him down. Yeah. Um, I think he has levels of immunity to to things like that. I'm sure. <laughs> but I mean, it's just it is so silly. So you have Martin Short, who is playing Clifford, who carries around a green plastic dinosaur named Stefan. Yes, not Stephen. No. Yeah. It is seven. Yes. <laughs> and one of my, one of my, so I remember, so my mom, we, she wanted to see um, Blank Slate with Dana Carvey. And this is kind of why I think it might be in the SNL realm. Sure. Um, it got zero stars in the paper. And my mom was like, well, it still looks funny. And so we went and saw it and it was for her birthday and it was awful. Mm-hmm. And so then the following week, Clifford comes out and it gets zero stars in the paper. My mom had seen the commercials and thought, but I like Martin Short. I really like Charles Grodin. Let's go see it. And we were like, you know, the other star, the other movie got zero stars. And she was like, well, let's go. And so we did. And she ended up loving it. And she would watch this a lot on VHS. And so it was very nostalgic for yeah. me in a lot of ways. Um, but, but I think one of the great scenes and this this shows you how surreal this movie is and how bizarre mm-hmm. this movie is so they they um clifford has landed the plane in los angeles uncle martin has agreed to take him um uncle martin takes him to his girlfriend's house because the very first thing it's like midnight right um, the very first thing that he needs to do is to show his girlfriend that see my my nephew's in town and see how much i love this little kid right and- <laughs> So Martin Short jumps out of the car and goes running up to the front porch and doesn't walk up the path to the front door. He jumps over the railing to get in there, goes into the house, and Mary Steenburgen is in the shower. Right. And Clifford takes Stefan and puts him inside the shower curtain. She turns around and sees this dinosaur, not knowing the kid is coming, yells and freaks out, and he runs out and... (laughs) Martin Short runs past Charles Grodin. He's like, don't judge me. It was Stefan's fault. And so then he goes, shame on you. Shame on your eyes. And that line just kills me every time. Well, and that's and that's the shtick for him. It, everything that he does that's really bad, it's always Stefan that did it. It was always it was Stefan's, Stefan's plan. Fault. It was always Ste- when they crash the pl- or not crash the plane, but when he turns the engines off, he's like, I don't know why Stefan did that as they're you know, coming down in the, I'm sorry. I don't know why Stefan did that. Like it's always the dinosaur's fault. Uh, but yes, I love that scene. That shame on your eyes. Just Shame on your eyes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, it reminds me because, you know, Barb and star go to Vista Del Mar came out recently mm-hmm. and I watched that and I'm thinking to myself, this is like a Saturday night live sketch that never aired that then they liked so much that they turned into a movie. Right. And I kind of feel like that's how this one 
kind of was like this this it shouldn't it shouldn't work and in a lot of ways it doesn't like i i went to film school there is nothing in this film that i would uh, other than the performances that's redeeming but the performances are so gonzo and so committed that yeah and, and i think it depends if you like martin short and if you like charles groden then i think you'll probably enjoy this movie but don't think that this is serious at all this is no. absolutely not they, they know what they're making as they're making it. And they right. know that what makes it funny, like if you don't have Martin Short in the starring role in this movie, it does not work not at, at all. all. Uh, it's not like you can plug in somebody else right. and say, okay, this movie's going to be just as good because that literally, like you said, that's literally the only thing that's good about this movie. The story stinks. The, I mean, and, and it's one of those things where you're watching it and you're wondering how much of this was scripted? Like how much of the oh, lines yeah. that he's saying were in the script and the writers are just brilliant. And how much of it was Martin short kind of improvising and, you know, on the fly, like when Charles, like, I feel like the, the scene where Charles Grodin like ruffles his hair and he's like, Oh wow. Uncle Martin. Normally when someone ruffles my hair, I hate it. But when you do it, I love it. Like, was that like in that moment the director's like oh, like ruffle his hair like show him how much he, like I think Clifford, it was you problem. you look like you don't like it and then and then Martin Short's like I'm just gonna say that I don't like it but I'm gonna say it the way that Clifford would say it and like I just feel like there's a lot of those lines that are just brilliant that came mm -hmm. from Martin Short being like I think this is what Clifford would do I I think probably 80 90 percent of the Martin Short lines are completely just on the spot off the top of the head it seems more like it's it feels more like it was something that he would come up with than a mm -hmm. writer trying to write in his voice would come up with yeah. um, there's a there's a scene with Dabney Coleman and Dabney Coleman is one of my favorite underrated actors like we do not talk about Dabney Coleman enough and funny Charles Grodin and Dabney Coleman were both in Muppet movies so you know then mm -hmm. we have that connection going Anyway, um, there's a scene because Dabney Coleman plays his boss. Uncle Martin is a, a designer, and he had designed the main ride at Dinosaur World, the right. Larry the Scary Rex. And it's got a theme song and everything. Uh, yes. and I'm not sure who that ride was made for. <laughs> I don't know either. Because when he goes on it, I'm like, what the world is this ride? Because it's also. This kid's ride that has a loop-de-loop -loop and a dinosaur that tries to eat them. And I'm like, mm. Well, <laughs> the ride itself, I'm pretty sure, number one, 95% of the budget went to making that ride for the, like, that shot yes. on the ride. All of that was where all the budget for this movie went. Uh, that's why they didn't have any left over for his makeup later to show him looking so old. <laughs> but the other thing is, even as the ride's going on, I'm like, this ride doesn't even have a very good plot as far as a ride goes. Like when a T-Rex shows up and they're like, quick, use your laser. And then the laser gun pops out. I'm like, what is that? All of a sudden you got a laser on your... And I agree, like... The villain the... is the hero of this ride. I mean, Larry the Scary Rex is a, is a mean old dinosaur that's going to eat you unless you laser him. Yeah. It's so weird. And like the ride... You and I are both theme park nuts. I mean, we, uh -huh. we, you know, we enjoy Disney mm -hmm. uh, theme parks. We've, uh, you know, I think Lagoon places. I look at the ride vehicle. It looks like a little kid ride vehicle. It totally and, does. And the first part of the ride is just a simple dark ride. You're going through, you're seeing different dinosaurs. Then all of a sudden you've got skeletons popping out one with like 
looks like a tourist that died. He's got a t-shirt and a hat on and everything. And then like the whole world falls apart. And like you said, loop to loops. I have no idea. It all of a sudden looked like cannibal. It started out like, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can compare it to and it, and it doesn't even touch is like splash mountain. If you've ever rid, ridden splash mountain, mm-hmm. it is a really long dark ride with the big incline splash at the end that you're not expecting. Cause the rest of it's just a leisurely boat ride through some right. of the South. Right. And that's what this was. It was just this nice little dark ride. And then a little goes crazy. Mm-hmm. It was weird. And then it, I love how there's a major loop to loop in this, but he's only got a lap bar. There's no yeah. restraint for him. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of issues with, but it was a very bizarre ride. But yeah, the scene where the pterodactyls there is like, Oh, things are starting to fall apart like that. Like the background and everything. I'm like, that's where all of the budget every, for this movie. Every went. Bit of it. But yeah. I love the fact that Larry, when the T-Rex shows up, it's a, it's a screen projection of Larry. <laughs> so yeah. I think that they got a little modeled T-Rex or it almost looked like somebody in a suit. Yeah. I think they, they built a suit and filmed the guy and then projected him huge on the wall behind for the, for the effect, I think is what they, what they did. Um, um, I think most of the budget on there, they didn't have a lot of movies at the corner in the direction there, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but there's a, I, I think, I think my favorite scene in the movie, and this is available on YouTube. So if you want to get a flavor for this movie without committing to this movie, um, it's on YouTube and we can probably post the link, but there's a scene where, where Charles Grodin has embarrassed himself in front of his potential in-laws to be. Um, Mm -hmm. He has gotten in trouble with the law due to Clifford. And so he is trying to get Clifford to admit what he's done because Clifford is an angel to all these other people. He only slowly reveals himself when he chooses to. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole scene. And I think this section was very much improv where Charles Grodin is standing and Martin Short is sitting and he's trying to convince him that he needs to be repentant and he needs to explain what he has done. And there's a whole scene where he's like, just, just look at me. If you do anything weird, if you look at me weird, if you act weird, then there's going to be trouble. And then Martin Short just kind of makes this weird face at him. And then he's like, you just just act like a normal human boy. You can't even do that for a minute, can you? And Martin <laughs> Short, for about 20 seconds, does a variety of faces that just kill me just because it is so silly. And Charles Grodin, I'm like, how does he not break character? <laughs> because Charles Grodin is like, see? See, you can't do it. He's completely deadpan. And yeah. I just, uh, that scene is just very representative of this movie. Yeah. And, and Charles Grodin really, we talk about Martin Short being great as a 10 year old kid. And I really don't know of a lot of actors that could pull it off as well as Martin Short did. Um, I mean, it, it is rarefied error and, and it does take a talent um, as weird and bizarre as the movie is. Mm-hmm. But Charles Grodin playing the straight man role in this does it so well. And I don't know that anybody could have done it better because number one, Charles Grodin, like they call it RBF. It really should be RGF resting (laughs) Grodin face because the way he just looks utterly disgusted all the time is amazing. And it's not even when he's trying to look excited. Yes. Yeah. He just (laughs) always has, I mean, and, 
And it's that ability to just look unimpressed or disgusted that just makes him great for this role because he can play that over and over again. And, you know, you see it like in his small role in So I Married an Axe Murderer where yeah. the guy tries to commandeer the vehicle. He's like, nah. I mean, just the faces that he does even in that moment are great. And so he does a great job in this film. And I honestly think that the relationship between the two of them is really what does mm-hmm. work in this film more mm-hmm. than anything else. Um, and it does suck you in. Like you definitely feel bad for uncle Martin at the end. And it's very similar in my opinion um, to Dr. Leonard uh, Marvin in, in, yes. uh, in what about Bob what about where Bob? he's strapping the bomb to Bob and you're like, yeah, I don't blame him. Bob is awful. He is ruining his life. And like, Charles Grodin taking him to the park and he's going to make him ride the ride for like a hundred hours straight or whatever. And he's just going to torture him at this theme park that he's wanted to go to. I'm like, yeah, I don't blame him. The kid's awful. Like I'd I kill him. Sh- I should not put this right into overdrive. Oops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like, I love this scene too, because he puts it into hyperdrive and the, that and everything malfunctions. And so the the dinosaur car is getting ready to fall into the dinosaur's mouth. You know, Larry the Scary Rex has fallen down. He's got his mouth open. The car is going to be crushed. And Martin Short is hanging by his seatbelt, which uh, instead of a lap bar, which is really funny. He's hanging there and he's like, help me, Uncle Martin. Help me. And Charles Grodin, like, just stands there. Yeah. <laughs> There's like the camera just lingers on him for like four or five seconds. He's like, I- I'm thinking. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, let him fall. Let him go. <laughs> like you, you really do because of his performance. Like you really do feel bad for the guy because you can tell, I mean, he's just trying. He's not the greatest guy, but he's no. not a bad guy. No, he's not a bad guy. Like it's one of those things where they position him as kind of this bad ish guy in the beginning because he doesn't want to have kids and whatever, but like, that's just making different life choices than I've made. That doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you've got different priorities. Now it might make you a bad fit for a relationship with somebody who does want to have kids, but again, you're not a bad guy. Um, but like, and his motives for taking, uh, Clifford in obviously weren't great because just showing off to your significant other that you love kids but not actually loving the kid it's not going to work out well for you but not to the extreme he didn't deserve the extreme not working out that he got (laughs) oh the other the other scene that i think is just bizarre and hilarious like so clifford gets picked up by uncle martin at like 10 o'clock at night and clifford has stolen a bunch of stuff off of the yes Including a dog and a surfboard and some kind of kitchen appliance. <laughs> and Charles Grodin's like, boy, your your dad brings a lot of stuff. He's like, oh, yes, he's very afraid of burglars. <laughs> so anyway, after they visit Mary Steenburgen's house, and now it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And yet in the next scene while Clifford's getting ready for bed, He's got like a donut and a giant big gulp from 7-Eleven. So they stopped off at somewhere about 1.30 in the morning to get treats and sugar for this little kid. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and let's talk about the fact that there was a dog. You see it in that scene. And then the dog never gets mentioned again. This same dog is dad. now just. What's that? Same with, same with Clifford's parents. 
Yeah, they're gone. The plot's done with them, so they're out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, we just needed his parents to be on the plane and still want to go to Hawaii, so we have a reason for him to stay with Uncle Martin. But then after that, we don't really care about the parents. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just bizarre. I do love the scene with all the stuff that he steals from the, the baggage claim because like, how obviously- did this 10-year-old kid pull all this stuff off the baggage claim? And nobody notices. <laughs> well, and then it makes you think, well, the, obviously that's where he got the Walkman because I love when he's sitting there mm-hmm. listening to his ass like, did you steal this? No. No. A priest gave it to me. <laughs> yes, because it's priests so are often amazing. walking around the airport with Walkman that they just give out to kids. Like then- a nice boy. Here's a Walkman. <laughs> it's a delivery. It's the delivery of that line. And again, it goes back to the performance on paper, that line's got to be silly and stupid, and in the in the hands of a lesser comedic actor, it's just going to fall flat. Yeah. But for some reason, especially, and the thing that I love too is often when Clifford lies, he gives kind of this evil, almost looks down the barrel of the camera, like not yeah. quite, but very close, and he just kind of gives this side eye look, like, "Oh yeah, you know, you know how bad I am." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I do love the big gulp of the donut. Like, where did, why, why would you stop off at 7 Eleven at that point? And why would that be morning. what you buy the kid? <laughs> I mean, well, and what I love too is he's watching some National Geographic like uh, documentary about the tribes in Africa because I think yeah. every, every kid went through that phase every of like, year old boy at, in our, in our timeline. Yeah. That, that was our kind of our first exposure to, to the female form in a lot of ways. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just... and Charles Grodin is like just looks at him like what what are you watching? <laughs> yeah. He turns the channel off and then again blaming it on Stefan. Or yeah. no, he, he looks at Stefan, he's like, what, what what's that? Oh, Stefan thinks that was a very cruel thing. Yes. <laughs> like, how could you turn it was a very cruel thing to do? It, everything is so overdramatic. And, <laughs> and I love that the way that they make that work. I, so in the scene in the very beginning, when he's talking uh, to Ben Savage's character, and he's mm-hmm. like, so what? What's your IQ? And the kid's like, oh, it's 185. He's like, yeah, mine was 190 or is 190. And then the kid's like, oh, you know what? I forgot it's 195. And he's like, oh, well, mine's actually really close to 200, but it doesn't really matter. Like he's establishing that he's very intelligent and like this genius level. And that's why he's able to pull all this stuff off. Mm-hmm. That's the the plausibility yeah. of the film is that he's yeah. just the super genius. Right. <laughs> they mention it like for two seconds at the beginning. And it's almost like, like we've got to find a reason to explain how he's able to pull all this stuff off. Oh, right. we'll just say in the beginning that he's a genius. Okay, well, he, that'll, he, that'll uh, fix it. He's got to be a genius because he's got to take the Walkman and Uncle Martin's um, answering machine and and put the two together so that he can make a bomb threat. Yes, uh, against City Hall. He's he's got to be a genius because he starts playing with the computer board at the boss's office. And then knows how to seal the the cassette tape. I love that too. That the presentation's on one of those old cassette. Yes, and not yeah. even a hard drive or a thumb drive or a, it's a big cassette. But he also knows how to sabotage 
and cause the whole thing to blow up to make Uncle Martin look bad at his big presentation. So. And and that is that is the breaking moment, right? I mean, he is on the verge of being broken at that moment. When he shows up to the presentation, he's completely unshaven. His bosses, you look it's like you look like crap. As he's, he's wearing this fake ponytail, which also looked like crap. And and he gets up there, and then when everything blows up and they zoom in on his face, like it is so perfect. He looks just utterly like, Yep. This is my I, life now. It's this, over. The kid's gonna well, die. Like Dan I've made Coleman a decision. Damni Coleman looks at him, he's like, Who's responsible for this? And he's like, I am. You know, he's just yeah. accepting his like, fate. Like this is you're, just you're life. fired. Yep. <laughs> yep. Time to take Clifford to the dinosaur world park. <laughs> Throw him into the dinosaur. Oh, Jake, the other scene, talk about the physical comedy. So um, Mary Steenburgen and Dabney Coleman end up going to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep Charles Grodin out of the picture, he uh, Dabney Coleman, as his boss, has reassigned him, ha- has assigned him to redesign the entire public transport system of Los Angeles in two days before the right. big presentation. So that's going to keep, you know, Uncle Martin busy. So Dabney Coleman and um, and Mary Seenburgen go to San Francisco and Clifford tricks Uncle Martin on getting on the on the train and traveling up to San Francisco so that he can go to Dinosaur World because he wants Uncle Martin out of the picture for a weekend. Right. And that scene where where Clifford is slowly walking on the train as it's leaving. The train is pulling out. Charles Grodin somehow, again, without a ticket, very much like the airport. Just gets on the train. On the train. And Martin Short just starts quietly humming this little song. And then he's walking and he starts walking a little faster. And the song gets a little bit louder. And then at the end, he's thrown his arms completely out. And he's like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have finally achieved what I want. I'm so happy. I can't contain it. Yeah. Yeah. He does. And he's so, like, all of his plans, obviously, I I love the mischievousness of it. You can see how he does it. I love when when Uncle Martin comes to pick him up. And he's got the sign that says, I love my Uncle Martin. And he's asleep with a marker in his hand. But even more, when they're in San Francisco... And he, you know, he throws this big party because he's like, hey, you can come and do this party at our house if you'll take me to Dinosaur World tomorrow. And like, yeah, I don't care. I'll take you to Dinosaur World, whatever. Because so, he finds all these hoodlum teens. Yes, and they have this just huge party at his house. And uh, then when Uncle Martin finally gets back, mm-hmm. he's got it. He's tied himself up in the room and he's like, oh, Uncle Martin, I'm so glad you made it home safely. I couldn't stop them. And so he's just like, well, he's tied up. So he just nails the doors shut and the windows so he can't get out. I love but, but, but the line. And again, this is the performance. And I think I think this line is improv. And again, that's what makes it so funny is he's like, they tied me up and they told me stories. And some of them are fun, but some of them were scary. <laughs> Vintage. <laughs> Martin Short, and then he's like, and then they tried to touch my no no place. <laughs> yes, like, all right, your no no place. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, just so 
over the well, top and silly, but and he does a good job of doing that, you know, mixing in like this over the top way that a 10 year old would never talk super refined, like, right. Oh yes. Sweetest mother who gave birth to me and whatever, like 10 year olds right. don't talk like that, but then he mixes in things like no, no parts that a 10 year old would say, you know, <laughs> it, it's really, really like Martin short is an incredibly talented actor. And I don't think, people understand how good he is yes. um, all the time because I don't think, I mean, I think he's a big name. I think people know who Martin Short is. Right. But they often rope him into movies and things that he's done like with Steve Martin or they don't always recognize how great a talent he is just on his own. And I think right. this film really kind of demonstrates how funny he can be because the film itself, like we've mentioned, is a dumpster fire. But what oh, saves yeah. it is the fact that he is really, really funny as Clifford. Well, and and this is just a couple of years after The Three Amigos, which was a second film, which is crazy to think about because Three Amigos is a total cult classic. This, yeah. is, a, this is a minor cult classic. But yeah. he's so good in Three Amigos. Like when, when he's talking about what he'd do with the money and Steve Martin and Chevy Chase are like, I'm going to buy a car a big giant car and Chevy Chase wants to do something with his money. And then Martin Short's like, I would open up a, a village for young children and I would you know, yeah. educate the homeless. And I'm with you. Martin Short is, he's not only funny, he's a really good actor. And he started off in the SCTV, which mm -hmm. was kind of like the Saturday night live of Canadian television um, did improv with the, I think he was with the groundlings. I could be wrong about that, but he's got kind of that, that sketch comedy improv um, ability. And I, I, I think he just, he's a, he's a known name, but I don't think people really appreciate what he is able of doing. It's kind of like when we were talking about um, my blue heaven and mm -hmm. Spaceballs, Rick Moranis sometimes doesn't get the credit that he's due. Like people know him, but they don't really appreciate his talent. And I think it's the same with both Charles Grodin and with Martin Short in this movie. Yeah, I I agree, and and Rick Moranis, another SCTV alum, yes. and yeah, I mean, really, like if you're into some of that screwball sketch comedy that's a little bit off the wall, like I think everybody's really familiar with old Saturday Night Live, and you know, Bill Murray got his start there, Chevy mm -hmm. Chase, those those kind of actors. Steve Martin was on Saturday Night Live. You've got to go check out sctv because i mean you've yeah. got martin short on there you've got um rick moranis john candy some really big names mm -hmm. that came out of there eugene levy got his start yes. on sctv That's dave right. thomas was on i mean there are some really really funny people um kato hair like really mm -hmm. really funny talented <laughs> people and you've got to go back and watch some of this sctv stuff because it is off the wall it is screwy it's but it's really, really funny. And you can see some of these really talented people and they all went on to have big careers doing comedy. Yeah. That I think went for a long time being underappreciated. Like I think now um, like Eugene Levy and yes, um, get getting kind of the recognition due with, with like Shit's Creek, Creek and Creek. Right. And um, things like that where before he wasn't always recognized as this really great comedic actor. Like he was a guy who popped up in funny movies and was really good, but 
you wouldn't necessarily think of him all the time. But we, we should do some of his movies. We ha- we haven't talked much about about Eugene Levy. Um, and uh, oh, I can't think of the other actor's name who actually did like Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show. Yeah, um, we Christopher Guest. We should do yes. some Christopher Guest stuff too because it's that same kind of funny comedic actor who's actually an actor who can actually pull off the stuff. There's no dramatic moments in Clifford that Martin no. Short can really show off his dramatic range, but sometimes being funny is harder than being serious. Yeah. You know, and he is just so committed to this role. And I had some, some friends I posted on Facebook last night that I was rewatching it. And I had a couple of friends that were like, Oh my gosh, I remember this movie. And then I had a couple of people who were like, yeah, I watched it again when I was an adult. And you know, I saw it when I was a kid, watched it when I was an adult and went, this is awful. It, but I think you've just got to, you've got to know what you're getting into when you yeah. go to see this movie. It is just screwball, silly. It is Martin Short off the wall. It is just something that you cannot take seriously at all. And I was just giggling. And I'm like, you know what? After a long week, this is kind of exactly what I wanted to unwind at the end of the week. Yeah, I agree. Like, objectively, the film is bad. It's, it's really, bad really bad movie. But but you have to watch it and appreciate what Martin Short does. Because I think you're right. Being a comedic actor in a role like this and being able to commit yourself mm-hmm. um, and be good at it at the same time is really, really hard. Because, because that character could have gotten... I mean, he's annoying. He Clifford is annoying. And you do want to kill him. But yet you're still laughing at Clifford and that is a fine line to walk because it could have been like this kid is well and and we talked about this off air do you want to share the story of your wife's reaction yeah so my wife does not like stories uh movies she especially doesn't like it in real life where someone is a jerk the whole time and then there's like no consequences for them whatsoever and that's exactly what happens in this movie she just did not appreciate the fact that Clifford was a jerk and didn't get what was coming to him. Like, right. He got off scot-free basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, she struggled with that. And I can see that because I can totally see that. And, and this movie's full of that too, because even the boss is an awful person, but you know, this is, this is the early nineties where, yes. you know, a white man trying to basically force himself on a woman that, you know, he's rich, so he's going to get away with that, which was and, awful. awful. Oh, oh, the scene in San Francisco where Mary Steenburgen is like, you're a phony. You're a phony, Martin, and I can spot a phony a mile away. And then two people in drag come up, and this guy in a really low voice is like, hey, do you know where the where some some location is? And she's like, no, ma'am, I'm sorry, I don't. I'm like, it made me laugh, but at the same time, I felt bad about laughing because I'm like, that is not something in today's atmosphere that you could ever do. Dabney Coleman forcing himself on Mary Steenburgen and then going, you know, if you think this innocent high school girl act is uh, turning me off, well, you're wrong. And it goes again. And like, (laughs) yeah, that was not my favorite scene and it was bad and it probably... Would not be in a movie today, except oh. if it was like trying to be overly offensive, but uh, like a South it, Park type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, there's no consequences for him. And so nope. 
if if you're into movies where you see somebody and they get what's coming to them, this is not the right movie for you because <laughs> this is not the redemption arc. Yeah, this is no. Not the, uh... <laughs> like, there's nothing in this movie that tells me why he ends up becoming a priest. No, and, like realizing the error of his ways. Well, there's like, there's that there's that moment after he's almost eaten by the dinosaur where he's like, I'm I'm. I'm sorry, and Martin, uh, uh, Uncle Martin is saying, uh, "Are you really?" He's like, "No, I really am," and that's supposed to be the, the, the scary moment that caused him to completely change his life. But again, it's so like so much of this plot, it's just thrown in there and mentioned yeah. and never come back to. It's like, oh, maybe we do need this part, so let's just throw this line in to like right? justify it. <laughs> Because really, like throughout the whole thing, there's no remorse. It just mm-hmm. keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And like normally, if you have a movie where it starts out with now I'm a priest and I take care of this boys school and, you know, but I was a really bad kid. You're going to get the story of like seeing him transform and grow <laughs> over time. Right. And there's none of that in this. No. Like <laughs> it goes from bad to worse to worse. And then, like you said, you get that one line where it's like, I really am sorry. Ta-da. Okay, I, but I'm not buying it either. Like, I'm with Uncle Martin. Like, I don't think you're really that sorry, kid. But he well, did write him 287 when your, letters. When your childhood idol almost eats you, you know, it, it, it strikes a chord with you. You know, it makes it makes a difference. Who would that have been for me? My childhood idol. It, it probably, at that age, probably would have been the mailman, Carl Malone. Eat me like a hearty sandwich. That's what it would have been. Carmelo eat me like a hearty sandwich. That's that would have turned me around. Oh, oh the hearty sandwich reference. Well done, sir. <laughs> well done. That bravo for that one. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, we do have to give this movie a grade because yes. that's what we do on the show. And I'm going to start with you, Tracy, because I'm not sure where I'm going to go with my grade on this yet. <laughs> so if you're in the right mood, if you acknowledge the, the film is what it is. And if you can oftentimes like we have superhero movies where you have to just kind of accept that there are people in this world who are able to fly and shoot laser beams out of their eyes. You have to kind of just believe that this 40 year old Martin Short is a 10 year old boy. And it's it's very 90s. It's very early 90s. It's late 80s, early 90s. Um, it's got some really famous people. It, it, the performances are gonzo and over the top. And maybe it's because it was nostalgia seeing this and reminding me of my mom. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a B plus. It is not a good movie, but the performances in this movie are just so silly and they're so committed to them that it made me it made me laugh really hard last night while I was unwinding. I hadn't watched this movie for 20 years. And it's just, it, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's not a good movie, but it's entertaining. Um, and, and I'm going to go ahead and give it a B plus. All right. And you said it was nostalgic because <laughs> it reminded you of your mom. And so I, I, I'm wearing the nostalgia glasses. I am completely admitting that here. I know, but I just, I, the part where it reminded you of your mom is the part where I'm like, okay, now I don't want to be overly harsh because here's, I do think if you want to see the range of Martin short, especially mm-hmm. in the early part of his film career, mm-hmm. um, as he's kind of just coming on the stage, you you've got to see Clifford and you've got to see his performance because it is really incredible because yes, 
you do have to kind of turn off that believability part that, okay, this is a 40 year old man playing a 10 year old boy. And I've just got to accept that. But Martin short makes it easy to accept it. He plays the role really well. Um, You know, as he's getting in the dinosaur to ride the ride that he's finally, you know, he's finally there at dinosaur world and he gets to ride it and his excitement, like it looks like a 10 year old child. Yeah. Like he does have these moments where you're like, I can believe that he's a 10 year old kid. And Charles Grodin is the perfect straight man to Clifford's off the wall, evil child character. Yeah. You give that kid a pan of sugar. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, Charles, Charles Charles Grodin Grodin calls him Hitler a couple times. (laughs) Yeah. It's, but I feel like this film doesn't have an audience. I feel like this film doesn't have a direction. It doesn't have a story. I mean, it does. It gets you from point A to point B, but it just kind of does it in a really not great way. There's plenty of plot holes. There's plenty of issues. For me, the performances aren't enough to get this up above a C minus for me. Okay. Um, okay. Like, I do think you need to see martin short in this film because you've got to see how great he is in it and charles groden as well but the film's just bad (laughs) it's a bad movie i'll completely admit that my my wife who watched it last night she had never seen it she ended up giving it a b okay it's it's a terrible movie but it, it was funny and maybe it was because i was laughing and so that kind of influenced her yeah um you got to be in the mood for just a, a completely silly movie. If you're in the mood for something serious or or good, this is not going to go well for you. Yeah, it, it's true, though. Watching a comedy with Tracy, like it is much funnier because if Tracy's laughing, it's just this infectious laugh that you're like, yeah, this is hilarious. I don't know why, but I'm going for it. It's, funny. it's like when we viewed Shazam. Yes, there was. A, I don't even remember what scene it was, but I'm giggling about something. And this 10 year old boy next to us turns around and looks at us and goes that wasn't funny <laughs> yeah. that just made me laugh harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> like well maybe you didn't think so but we did it's so there uh you don't know kid <laughs> memories boy the good old days when you'd go to a theater and there were people there oh by the way um real quick i i ventured out to the theater and and checked out a quiet place too what did you think uh it's not quite as good as the original but it's still really tense and I got to tell you, you called it when when um, the first movie came out, um, the young actress, and I, I'm blanking on her name, but the young deaf actress. Millie. Millie. So, yeah. Steals this movie. Like, she is so good in the sequel. Have you watched it yet? I haven't seen the sequel yet. She's I, phenomenal. I have three kids who want me to take them to go see it, so we may go see it at some point. Yeah. But it was nice being back in the theater and seeing it on the big screen. And I'm like, we saw a preview for Top Gun. And I'm like, that's another movie that I've got to see on the big screen. Yeah. Um, so it's it's nice that we're kind of getting yeah. back into it. Hopefully we can get into some screening soon. Yeah, I agree. And there's some big ones coming out. Uh, Black Widow's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Dune is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. That you do just have to go see on the big screen. And we are getting to the point here locally at least where a lot of the um capacity restrictions are also being lifted and right like i I want it to be safe and i feel like we're getting to a point where it is and i feel like i've done everything i can to be safe Mm -hmm. you've got to decide for yourself what is and isn't and i'm not going to dictate that for you but right i uh, hope i hope for a little while still they'll keep the one seat barrier in between people 
Um, well, I, I just I, took I just don't that generally I, speaking. I don't like sitting right next to people exactly, I don't know anyway. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I took my dad and we ended up having the whole row to ourselves. So it, it worked out great. Yeah. But there's just something like I've gone to a couple of movies um, a few months ago. I haven't gone for a while. Um, and the theaters were really not full at all. And there's just something different about seeing a movie for the first time on the big screen in a full <laughs> theater. Like the lights come down and you, yeah, there are just mm-hmm. moments like I can't imagine seeing Endgame just at oh. home, not in the theater. Like mm-hmm. the moment when spoilers cap gets the hammer mm-hmm. like that moment and the cheering that happened the cheering the- that happened. Yeah. yeah even it was thinking so about crazy. Goosebumps. Yeah. That was one of my favorite um, because we saw it in a screening beforehand and mm-hmm. we were with some critics and, and it was very empty theater, but then we went and watched it again in a packed theater with people who were seeing this for the first time. And the energy was completely different. Yeah, it was. But I will say what was neat though, in the, the screening with all of the critics, these are people that they watch movies for a living and they're Mm -hmm. very jaded to a lot of the stuff that happens in movies, but that scene still got everybody up off their feet Uh and it was incredible even in that small group to see that and so these hardened film critics are like yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) so it'll be we've got another fun movie coming up uh next week now this this coming up i have not viewed either one of these films we're we're gonna talk paddington 2 yes Uh, i've never seen either one i have heard great things and i love the paddington stories as a kid it's just one that i never got around to watching i've heard it is sublime so i'm looking forward to this yeah so we're going to talk about paddington too uh and then we're going to talk about citizen kane um and if you don't know why we're talking about these two films back to back basically what happened is uh citizen kane had a 100 rating on rotten tomatoes and had more reviews um, from critics and anything else so it was the number one rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes right. and it is it is a classic that is considered by many people to be the greatest film of all time yeah and so it's <laughs> like the argument is definitely there but what happened is they found a review from like the 40s mm-hmm. where somebody didn't like it and gave it a negative review and so because it dropped from being 100% positive the new king of the of the heap was Paddington two um, because it was a hundred percent and it had more reviews than anything else. And so that's why we're going to talk about them back to back, but an interesting thing happened. I don't know if you saw this Tracy last week, mm-hmm. they found a negative review of Paddington two. I, I think it was Orson Welles from the, from the other side. Yes. I think like, so. He penned it nope. from the other side. Nope. I don't, I'm not, I, this will not stand. I will so, use all of my otherworldly powers to make this not be the case. Um, but I want to, when we talk about Paddington, do talk about this review from this critic because to me, the review itself embodies toxic fandom. And we'll mm. talk about that and the toxicity mm. of fandom out there. But these are two movies that are very, very different, but critics seem to love both of them. And we'll, we're going to review them back to back. So, Next week is going to be just you and me again talking about Paddington 2. Uh, but, but then Val will be, will be back for, for Citizen Kane because we need all three of us for that and, movie. And, and then when we're all back together, too, um, Staff Picks is coming back. So we yeah, have we'll, Staff Picks for a while. Staff yeah. Picks will be coming back as well. 
normally our first one of the month would be staff picks. We're putting it off because we want to do that one together uh, in person. Staff picks without Val because she's part of the staff. Yeah. You need yeah. everybody in the staff participating or it doesn't work. And and honestly, um, I think for any of us, it doesn't do justice to just say, here are my picks and then us read them on the air because I need Val to explain to me what her picks are. I need you to explain to me what your picks are because that changes my view entirely. When someone says, these are my three picks and this is why I picked it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an interesting outlook. Now I need to go see that movie with mm-hmm. that perspective. And uh, so we need, we need all three of us here for that. Yeah. So sure. exciting stuff coming up. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, uh, Facebook, we we probably ought to get a TikTok put together, Tracy, and do some of those fun like bikini ones. I'll put on baggy clothes and then show myself in a bikini. <laughs> Clicks are gonna go through the roof, man. Yeah, it'll drive everybody hey, to listen to I've our podcast. Got, I've got a niece who wants to be an actress, and over quarantine, she started a TikTok stream. She has over a million followers now. Wow! And she has legit landed a a full feature movie role. She's not the star. But she's got a fairly prominent role that she gets to go film later this year. So, you know, dreams can come true. You and you know, I, man, we'll we'll defy the odds because we're not the demographic, but we'll we'll figure out a way. We'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, follow us in all the places. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We've we've gotten up in subscribers. We've gained like 20 subscribers over the last few weeks. So thank you for that. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, make sure you like our videos there and and uh leave comments that drives other people there as well so let us thank know you. what films you want us to talk about <clears throat> absolutely we've gotten some good fan suggestions for some uh episodes that we may look at doing here in the in the near future um but yeah all exciting stuff we love your feedback leave reviews on facebook leave reviews on our podcast leave reviews you know anywhere that you can as long as they're positive reviews you can right. leave negative ones too we just send send the negative reviews to info at movies that make us.com. Yeah. I mean, don't post those online where everybody can see them. Just send them to us directly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you watching. Thanks so much. Uh, and for the time being still, we won't see you at the movies. Larry, the scary Rex. He's a scary <laughs> dinosaur with big sharp teeth and a weapon. <laughs>